ever worried that you might be the cool kid You wear the latest fashions on top of all the trends Or have you ever worried you were too much in the mainstream Always so generic, more normal than your friends Well, we've devised a test to put to rest your fears There's no need to panic if you lend us your ears Tonight you can't sleep easy after all that you've heard Cause if you like the show, then you're probably a nerd Monday, and you know what that means. It's time for a new episode of the It's Canon Podcast, the podcast where we talk about all things geek, the podcast where we talk all things nerd, the podcast where we talk about anything and everything, because as it says on the title, it's all in canon. We're hosts, I'm Boris, and as always, I am joined by Phil. Hey, everybody. It's Wizard. And Tyler. What's Wizard? Tell me specifically what is Wizard, Phil. Everything's Wizard. Star Wars was Wizard. I mean, Star Wars is pretty dang good this week. On this week's episode, we are going to be chatting all things Bungie and Sony. Because late-breaking news this afternoon, Sony bought Bungie. We're going to be chatting about that. Then we're going to be chatting about this little music platform called Spotify and the hot waters that they tend to be in and the Joe Rogan experiment. Because to me... This is turning into quite the story, but we'll get into why a little later. And then we're going to round the show off as we talk about the shows that we've been watching. And we're going to focus on Peacemaker and some Book of Bubba Fett. How does that sound? It was delicious. Was it, though? Was it? You know, oh, I've got a we're going to get into this. We're going to get into that. I got a whole thing prepared. I love it. We're going to get into it because I love Star Wars fans. Star Wars fans are my absolute favorite people in the world because they're so level-headed they love everything yes. even when they get served what they ask for they still love it and that's what we're going to be chatting about a little later but before we get to everything i need to ask tyler how is everything going you suave son of a bitch wearing a blazer and all uh it's good i handed in an eighty thousand word manuscript to a publisher today fingers crossed it was one of the most difficult things I've written to date um, and definitely was like, it's at the edge of my talent. Right. And, and I say that, you know, recognizing that like every artist is on their own journey, talent is never moving like thing. And in six months I'd be able to do a better book than this a hundred percent. Cause I keep trying to improve and keep trying to get better. But for this exact moment, the manuscript is as good as I can get it. And now it's, it's in the publisher's hands. Excellent. Congrats. Number one, hopefully it all goes yeah. well. Always proud of you, man. Like, it's crazy what you do. I fucking hate writing. Let me tell you that. I do the writing stuff on the side, like, as a complete side thing, but I absolutely loathe it. But a lot of it still has because I a lot of it, a lot of it is because English, Boris. Um, I, I'm still so skeptical about how good or bad my writing actually is. Yeah, I mean, in, in, in my experience, you kind of have a – if you're, if you're going to be a writer – and you want to be successful, you either have to be a good writer or a good editor. And by that, I just mean, like, how good is your stuff when you first write it, or how good is your stuff after you spend some time on it? And I'm the first to admit, I'm not a great, I'm not a good editor. I am a mediocre editor at best. 
So I just keep trying to become a better writer. Yeah. Makes sense. Yep, makes sense. (sighs) Aside from that, how's life on the East Coast? I mean, we're snowed in. I'm not going nowhere. I have four feet of snow in my front yard. My dog, who is a snow wintry dog with a big heavy coat, is like, no, I'm not not doing that. So (laughs) where have you brought me? You know, here's the thing. He actually like he gets out. He kind of wades into the snow and he just lies down. He's like, no, I've just given up. Computer says no. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Yeah, no, I hear you guys have been getting blasted this week. And again, um, some of the people who I podcast with, they have a podcast on the wrestling channel. They're out in the East Coast um, and and, in Halifax and around Halifax. And they also have been snowed in all weekend. They constantly lose power. Uh, So it sounds like you guys have had quite the last few days. Yeah, I'm up in the valley. So like there's like a, a small mountain range between us. So we tend to get... More snow, but less wind. So I didn't lose power, but definitely, like, for all of Saturday, everything expensive was turned off and unplugged. Because the government was like, hey, your power might, I don't know, explode. Who's to say? Who's to say? How about you, Phil? How's life on your your coast? The coast Um, of the Great Lakes. You know, it, it hasn't really snowed that much, but we're still talking about the snow that we had two weeks ago. Because that's the news cycle. Um, Nothing else newsworthy yeah. in Ontario. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or Canada, for that matter. Yeah, yeah. Just Ontario. So, like, nothing's happening in Ontario. Nothing's happening. Nothing, nothing at 400 all. kilometers northeast of us. I'm not nothing. looking at. All right. Nothing. There's, so, there's stuff that I'm not bothered to look at. My my big concentration is I bought an indoor exercise bike. I hey, love you. your updates via Instagram. Yeah. Yeah, I I, I I just kinda had a couple beverages and then had this epiphany while holding my phone, like I should get an exercise bike because I want to start <laughs> cycling again. The best. So then I bought one for about the four hundred dollar range. And it got delivered, I told you last week, by two Amazon guys who brought it right in the house. They were just like, sure. They didn't give a shit about anything. And I'm like, okay, it takes two guys to lift this. And then I tried to move it. And I'm like, no, this is a two-man job. This thing is heavy as crap. They made it out of lead or something. So anyhow, I unpacked it this weekend. I finally had the energy to unpack it. And yeah, it was quite heavy. So I built it today in about 15 minutes. It was pretty straightforward, though. I got to give it that. I was scared. Did you use it yet? No, I... I, (laughs) I have the pedals on. I have all that. But I decided the inaugural ride will be probably tomorrow because I know that I had to do the show tonight. And I know that whatever I do on that bike, my body is going to scream at me. Even if it's the smallest little ride, my butt's going to hurt. My legs are going to be sore. My everything's just going to go sideways. And I'm like, well, I got to record tonight. Nope, not doing it. Not doing it. Not not going to spin the old wheel yet i do enjoy the difference between phil getting messed up on drinks and other substances and me because phil's like i'm gonna take care of myself i'm gonna get an (laughs) exercise bike and i meanwhile i am like i'm gonna buy some really fucking rare spices and herbs (laughs) and make my own homemade bitters yeah like yeah oh well get this okay here's another funny story involving amazon and maybe a drink I ordered a Funko Pop, okay? And here's the weird thing. I had to go over this with a friend of mine to figure out, am I a bad person? 
ordered a Funko Pop. It was Crosshair from the Bad Batch from Funko Pop store on Amazon. They sent it to me. I opened the box says, okay, now Funko Pop send their Funko Pops in the actual Funko Pop box. So it's the regular retail box in a brown cardboard Funko Pop shipping box in an Amazon box. So it's like a it's like a retail protector. So you don't get damaged boxes. Well, no, because the retail box is it'd be the retail for for high end ones, right? I I guess it it because doesn't happen all in all of them. Yeah, nor- having worked in retail, normally they're boxes of six. Okay. Yeah. Well, here it looks like this. Oh, because you it's know got- that's perfect for podcasting. Yeah. I well, yeah. Oh yeah. Know, so right? it, it's just it's a it's the it's the retail single box. Yeah, yeah, the retail single box. Okay. So anyhow, what happens is I get this thing. It says Star Wars. It says Crosshair. I open it up. It's Spider Man from No Way Home. <laughs> and I'm like. <laughs> Okay, this is weird. I've never had this problem with Amazon before. So I look up Spider-Man No Way Home Funko Pop, and it's selling for 30-some-odd dollars. And I did not pay that. I paid half that. Yep. So I'm like, that was a happy mistake. I'm going to reorder it. I mean, depending (laughs) which one, it's up to 50 bucks now in certain... Yeah, it's the one in black, and he's crouched. It was like 30 bucks something. Oh, the, the, the black and gold? Yeah. The, the inside out suit, as it were. Yeah. So I, I but these are Amazon prices. I don't know if they're actually the market value and whatnot. But anyhow, I'm like looking at it going, well, it's selling for 30 bucks on Amazon. I, I, I don't mind Spider-Man. So then I ordered another one. And then what, ha- what, what happened is exactly the same thing. They send me a box. I open it up. There's a retail single box inside that says Star Wars Hunter or Crosshair. And I'm like, OK, I open it up and inside is is Chadwick in a Black Panther outfit with no mask on. Right? I'm, <laughs> what I'm the like, fuck? okay, there's something going on at the Funko store in Amazon, right? I'm like, this is irritating me. So you have to understand, I go from that the, toy, did you look up the price of that one? Oh, it's cheap as dirt. Is it? <laughs> I looked that up right away. Depending which one, yeah. Yeah, depending yeah, which one. 18 the, bucks. It's the, the chase variant is the mask on but no eyes, yeah. which is like a hundred and something. Yeah. Yeah. No, this all is right. just a regular so funny. one. So I'm like, all right, well, that, well it's that's about retail. Yeah, I'm like, it still cheesed me a little bit because I'm like, I just want the damn Star Wars one. I've got the space set out on my shelf behind me. I'm like, come on. So anyhow, I... I message them and I say, look, you sent me the wrong one. I give them which Funko Pop they sent me. They said, no problem. We'll send you a new one. You have a month to send that one back. Otherwise, we're charging you like 17 bucks. I'm like, okay, fair fair play. So then they sent me one. It came the next day and it was Crosshair. So I'm like, somebody open the box. The third lock. This is, that'd be a fun, all this would be a Funko Pop issue, though. Because if, yes. if you open that retail box, like that's on you. So I, I'm betting they just aren't opening that box. Well, well, the retail box opens and you can reclose it. You can reinsert another Funko Pop in it because it's in its package inside that brown retail box. No, sure. Oh, the retail, the retail, yeah, for sure. I don't open those. I'm like those go into storage in the basement in the. No, package. not the shelf. The, like I'm saying, the brown, the cardboard brown retail box. Even that won't be opened. Buy someone on Amazon. They don't give two shits. They don't get paid. Well, yeah, I know. And that's the one. They're just reading or scanning that one. Yeah. And it's got the wrong Funko Pop from the factory or something in there. Yep. Like someone's messed around with it. 
or someone's taken a lot of crosshairs speculating on it, but it's only a $15 pop. So yeah. it was just a funny experience. Gotta love Amazon. Yeah. That Just is kidding. actually funny. That's a. That's it was funny. weird. I love that. Well, yeah. third tries a third. Third. What's what's the saying? It doesn't matter what the saying is. Third tries the charm. That's it. Yeah. Thank third you. Third time's the charm. Third time. Third try. Whatever. It's all the same. So yeah, I know that. That's burp, actually burp, really funny. Derp, derp. How are you, Boris? How is your weekend and week? Um, busy. Super busy. Uh, Saturday had WWE had a pay per view, so I had the live show right after that. We went late, man. Show ended after midnight. Um, we went about an hour and 40 minutes. So we were done by 2 in the morning. We had half decent turnout mm. for the live show, which was pretty good. Um, you know, and you never know what you're going to get when you take live callers and stuff like that, right? Like, my fear is always, do you guys remember that uh, that Star Trek show that was on cable access TV? When people would, no. would just randomly call in. I forget what the name of it was. Yes. But you can oh you can find clips on like retro Canadian TV and stuff like that. Um and it was just this poor guy who's like, you know, obvious this is like his life. Anyways, people would always crank call him. That's the point I'm trying to make. So you never know what you're gonna get. It's just, you know, and so that was that. Then yesterday, Phil and Tyler, I went to the Canada US game. Uh, so mm. God knows what I caught there, um, but you know it was. It, it, let me tell you, Phil. They said fifty percent attendance, right? Yeah, yeah. It was like ninety nine. Yeah, I was looking at that on TV, and I'm like, man, this twelve thousand feels like forty. And everybody I know had tickets. Yeah, there there was absolutely no scarcity on the market. So I'm like, what is going on here? But good. Good game, man. Aside from the coldness. It it wasn't uh, that bad. Look, I am so happy that the game was yesterday at minus 10 Celsius as opposed to Saturday's minus 25 Celsius. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. So that was that. (laughs) Then outside of that, yesterday, got home, took a shower right away. I felt disgusting. Like, I had so many layers on, and I'm not one to wear layers. I hate wearing layers. I feel horrible in layers. I'm... You know, I'm not the svelteest of guys to begin with. So when I add layers, I feel horrible. <laughs> but I wore layers yesterday. And I love the side eyes that Tyler's giving me as I'm talking. Anyways, so I get home. I'm just trying to figure out where this is going. <laughs> I'm, and I'm drenched. I take a shower. And my body just says, fuck you from the cold. Um, and I was just like in pain. Just like hilarious pain all night. And it was just like, oh, well. It was still worth it. But um, good news. I fell asleep at like, what, maybe 1 a.m.? And I slept right through until like 9 this morning. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I know that feeling when your joints are just like, nah, eat a, eat a dick. Yeah, exactly. Your joints exactly. are like, I give up. Yeah. yeah. No, I have to haul wood in the cold here. So I feel you. Yeah. Man, sometimes when you describe your living conditions, it's like, you know, you should start wearing more plaid, carry around axes. Yeah, man. I fucking chose this, and my axe is in the shed where it belongs. (laughs) I love it. Fucking love it. Sleeping with it right next to me, man. (laughs) No, I got got a great big dog. I'm making my homemade bitters. Look. Ooh, what type of bitters? I got to ask that. I have. Yes. I have six pounds of chorizo, homemade chorizo aging in the other room, and oh, a full-on home home smoked nice five-month-old Serrano ham. 
Very I'm gonna nice. have a full prosciutto ham in three months. That's, and you made good. dumplings. And I, I made so many goddamn fucking dumplings. <laughs> read your Twitter. Yeah, no, I my 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 partner and I have made over the past three weeks um about four hundred dumplings. That's amazing. That and is we amazing. still have more ground pork to go through. And I'll bet the first hundred sucked. <laughs> I'm going to own this. <laughs> Ash, my partner, very quickly theirs are like, ba, 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 really cute looking. My like 300th still looks like shit. It still looks like <laughs> baby's first dumpling. <laughs> love it. Fucking oh, love it. man. Oh, no I can't jokes do that, that pot sticker fold. That pot sticker the... fold gets me. Yeah. It, it it takes a while. I I do. I'm struggling to do it now, but that's because my hands are like just done. My hands and joints yeah. just hate me. But yeah, it is what it is, guys. We have a lot to get to. We should get to it. Let's get to it. Last week we were talking about the big moves that Microsoft was making, and there was a lot of speculation among us th- us three about what is Sony going to do. What is their big move? And well, earlier this afternoon. They made a move. They are Sony Entertainment, Sony Interactive Entertainment announced today that they are acquiring Bungie for $3.6 billion. This is just a huge move, in my opinion. For those of you who don't know who Bungie is, they are the original creators of Halo, and they make this little game called Destiny. So, let's get some initial reactions. Phil. You know... The one big thing I'd like to stress is that I know that we're all going to say it. I know that fans are all going to say it. This is, you know, Sony's reaction to the big Activision acquisition. But these deals take six to eight months at the bare minimum to do. So this has been in the pipe all along. The only thing that I can say is that Sony probably were like a little bit maybe tip the scale to just say we just want this done because we need to get out there into the world yeah. and get the PR you know on people's eyes and get people talking about Sony again I don't know how great of a move it is because I think if you acquire a company like Bungie you need to quickly have an idea of a roadmap of what you want to accomplish is it Destiny 3 is it a new IP what what's your move and that that's going to be the really interesting news about what's going to be the actual result of the acquisition in terms of projects but overall i think it's a great idea because they have to do something like they they they've been losing that war since zenimax Mm -hmm. as far as what gamers think is going on even though we're really good at forgetting that they have you know gorilla studios and sucker punch and all these different places that are making triple-a games that never used to really and we've become you know we're um, this month i think we're gonna get horizon zero dawn the sequel you know the westward expansion so there's a lot of great gaming coming up for 2022 i think 2021 was a little bit of a difficult year to be honest so this is going to take a couple years to yield something big but i'm looking forward to the hype train on the way there if there's any game that I would love in terms of IP that Bungie has that they have people have forgotten about. Do you guys remember a game called Marathon? Oh yeah. 
Yeah, it's kind of like the uh, the predecessor to Halo. A lot of people yeah. originally speculated that they were even connected. That wasn't the case. Marathon is an awesome first-person shooter. Came out for Apple in, like, what? I want to say, what, 93-ish? Oh, so close, 94. Ah! Whoa! Yeah, so yeah, no marathon, fun game, very very good game. I it, it, like if you if you take a look at the graphics, um, from what I remember, you know it's very much like uh like a Doom and Wolfenstein of that era, um, but a little more textured, uh, not quite Halo like, but more in the Halo direction of kind of like the the way that the character models were and all that fun stuff. But yeah, if there's anything that I would want to watch or. Um, any IP that I would love for them to bring back, it is Marathon. But enough of what I think and want back. Tyler, how do you feel about this move by Sony Interactive? I mean, I mean, like, like, like Phil said, this was in the this was in the pipes for a while. But I think that 100 percent, the announcement now is, you know, you can you can have that in your back pocket, ready to announce whenever. And you kind of you definitely have like a bit of a window on that. And I would not be surprised if they were like, ah, drop it now. You know, don't let Microsoft have as much of a, a cycle. It's also worth noting Destiny 2 is the second most popular MMO of all time. Oh, it's, it, player... it's, hmm? it's definitely a success. Sorry. 38.8 million players for the player base. 39% yeah. on, P- on PC. 38% on Sony. So they already have this energy there. Xbox is only 22%. Um, you, you know why that is, right? You know why Xbox got left behind on Destiny. That's because it launched as a year-long exclusive on the PS4. Oh, yeah. No, no. I, I am right. aware it, they have it, good it, deals yeah. set up. Yeah. yeah. It's also worth noting, it's the, you know, it's the second best-selling FPS franchise. Yeah, considering it's free right now. Well, <laughs> not even in a way. So, like, opening week of Destiny 2, yeah, 92 million units at retail. Oh yeah, it, we we played it with my crew, Destiny Two, and oh. Destiny One. We played Destiny Two for two years before we all rage quit on the same weekend and never picked up a controller for it again. Oh like, sure, you know the the game was maddening. the 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 lack of story in Destiny One was absolutely atrocious. The way that they blew up the entire writing crew as the game was going gold. Um, and made changes. They the 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 history of that company, as far as that franchise, has been checkerboarded at best. But it's a victim of its own success. It's not like it was still a fun shooter. It still had dynamics that worked really well. It's yeah. there was a lot of stuff that didn't work for it. For I don't know, maybe a more cerebral gamer where we're looking for a campaign and a multiplayer event and an MMO that's a little less PVP and more PVE, it it started failing us on that front. Now, I know that they've done great work fixing it since. I have played a little round, a little bit with it on Stadia because, again, it was free. It was just free to play. You didn't even need an account on Stadia, I don't think, to play it there. Yeah. Um, what's interesting here for me is that, like, you know, one of the things that we were talking about last week was the new the new the new era of gaming with these games that are never ending that get seasonal that get updates and they keep going and going and going and i think that ultimately this is what you know sony is getting mm-hmm. they're getting a major ip in destiny that's going to keep going and going and going like the energized bunny and i think that you know 
part of their strategy is to have that you know that that money maker that brings in monthly subscribers and stuff like that and then they do have the option to either revive eight and ip like a marathon or create a new one that's more in the vein of say halo which is what bungie is probably best known for lest you not forget there's also option number three which is transmedia storytelling because right like yeah. Destiny has a pretty committed player base. Like Phil got shuffled right off and it never attached with me. But I know players who, if you were to be like, hey, we're making a Destiny anime, like they'd go ape shit. Mm-hmm. We, yeah. we tried really hard. We really yeah, I'm tried. not. Yeah. Yep. But like uh, I said, but to be fair, like I say, everything on the newest stuff is telling me how great the game plays compared to when I decided I'd had enough. Look, and if so that bodes well. Yeah, and, it, and and going back to Tyler's point and something that we talked about last week and that 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 cross media uh, frenzy that you kind of want, we talked about this last week. What if Sony cuts a deal with a Netflix or a Disney? I'm sure people are noticing what what Ar- what Arcane has done for Riot Games, right? I'm sure people are I noticing mean, the buzz help, help that Halo is narrative getting. is a big part of it. Sorry. Help change the narrative is a big part of it. Yeah, exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. Because now you're getting content that's outside of video games that's, you know, not shit. Because for the longest time, accompanying uh, TV shows or whatever, they were pretty shit. Let's be honest. It was very rare to find something, a TV show, based off of t- of, a, off of a video game that was pretty good. And I'm not, I'm not counting Mario Brothers or Zelda from the late 80s, early 90s on that list. <laughs> Or, or or Captain N. Oh right, yeah. like you know, if we did, if we don't even look at like artistic merit, we just look at like financial success, right? You have Pokemon, which was like envisioned from day one as a transmedia way of catching them all, and all of them being every kid everywhere's money, mm-hmm. and nothing else has been nearly su- as successful. Yeah. Yep. Agreed. Agreed. Well, I, I will say this on on the, that whole idea that there's a show with Arcane and whatnot. We're about to put that to the test because I showed you guys the link to the new Halo trailer that dropped last night in the yep. football, Sunday night football, and the full two minutes is out. And I'm just saying it looks pretty darn interesting. Like I actually got chills watching it going, oh, I like Halo again. Like I could watch eight episodes or 10 episodes of this if this is the production value. And whatnot and all these little changes and storytelling and how the world will embrace it and yeah it's an interesting little chewy proposition there and when i go back to tv shows or cartoons based on video games if anyone emails me number one i'm not going to read it number two i do not <laughs> count red versus blue on that list oh fair red versus blue is a whole separate machine it's a machinima though right yeah. like yes. it was never intended exactly. to be oh, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Machinima has always been a separate beast, which yes. is not to like. No, I'm not saying know? it's any worse. I'm just saying that, like, when you have the full support, when it's in canon, because that's the name of yeah. our show, to the video games, right? Like the way that Arcane is with League of Legends and and Riot yeah. Games and all that, that 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 universe that they're really trying to create. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. There we go. So there you go, Sony, with a move. Let's see what Microsoft does next, because you know that this game of chess or checkers, whichever you like more, <laughs> or Monopoly for this case, 
You know, let's see I mean, what, yeah, what happens Monopoly next. Sounds right. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, checkers speed. Don't With think the about it. Just intensity bend. of chess. <laughs> yeah, just dun, 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 do it. All right. So let us talk Spotify, Joe Rogan, and the likes. Man, this story, honestly, if this story was huge last week, you know, over the past few months, we've been making, we've been calling Joe Rogan out, like, on this show for month after month after month, I'd say for the past year now. Like, since we relaunched this show between the three of us, you know, for the past almost two years, we've been talking about how Joe Rogan is, has deteriorated. Um, you know, I will give him credit. We're talking years ago. His show was great for getting alternate views of stuff, different, like, different views, having an actual conversation did I agree with a lot of what he said back then? Even no, but it was out there. I'd say over the past few years, you know, for some reason, 2016 really, really rings a Who's bell. Who's to say what that could have been? Yep, exactly. I don't know what happened in 2016 oh. in a country south of Canada that raised people from certain groups. <laughs> North of Mexico, South Canada, that raised certain groups' profile and made them feel like they can spew bullshit and not get away with it. Anywho. Well, and get away with it. <laughs> yeah, and get away with it. And get away yeah. with it. Sorry. Thank you for that clarification. But, like, let's let, honestly, so Joe Rogan, uh, on it, you know, we've been talking about it for many months. He's been spewing some, what some people. You know, fuck it. I'm not just going to say he's been spewing bullshit and misinformation about COVID for months, years there, I say. And, you know, it's gotten to the point where, you know, as this pandemic reaches levels of like where it's just not going to go away anytime soon. You know, when you have someone as, 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 as popular as Joe Rogan spewing this stuff and getting people to help him spew this stuff, it's going to tip some people. A certain direction right so last week essentially things came down to a boil because neil young said no moss neil young put spotify on the counter or on the platform and said it's him or me spotify chose joe rogan neil young then removed his library from spotify and in a very similar move we had joni mitchell remove her library from spotify and then People from certain groups were saying this isn't going to do anything. Well, Spotify lost almost $4 billion in market value after Neil Young called out the company for allowing Joe Rogan to use its service to spread misinformation about the COVID vaccine. And uh, that's that's how it goes down. The story, unfortunately, I'm going to I'm going to jump in to make sure Boris doesn't take egg in the face because uh, you can tell that we did most of our notes before noon today because uh when we were talking last night and the day before spotify was down like 25 percent over the past few months how much are they up up bad news boys up four percent i knew that was gonna happen i knew that was gonna happen it over the past month it is still down 19.62 percent but that entire hit they took from last week rebounded today during trading for their market cap. This is all based upon the stock. Um, That being said, a lot of people who are financial reporters, whether you trust them or not, are broadly, and I haven't dug into anyone enough to like make deeper sentiments, 
Um, but are like, hey, we don't think this is over. We think this is just people trying to cash in and maybe it's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. But we'll see. I can just say that I've become aware of certain hashtags. And I know that this got real when I go into my little group of poker buddies and one of them says, hey, I quit Spotify this weekend. And now I'm trying to convince my wife and my daughter to as well. And I'm like, and it's probably the most meek guy in the group. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, what? And then next thing you know, I'm like, well, this is trending. Like, this is something people are posting all their, we're going to miss you screens and goodbye. And if you want to reactivate your account within two weeks, you have to use a different email address and all of these conditions upon the quit. Right. I'm like, wow. So hashtag bye bye Spotify. And the likes, delete Spotify, whatever. There's a whole litany of them out there where people are taking, you know, their favorite artists lead and questioning why they're being a part of the podcast of of the service and even even podcasts pulling their episodes off of Spotify. I mean, before uh, I go into like my own personal like analysis and stuff, I do want to reiterate that if you look at over the past year. So with 365 days as of January 31st, 2022, uh, Spotify's down 41%, right? Like they had a real good first year or so of COVID and they've been broadly taking hits ever since. You know, they had a good jump in November, 2021, but they have not been anywhere close to the heights they hit February, 2021. Yeah, but this again could reach or could be the effect that we've been seeing with a lot of tech companies and that's the market correcting itself after whatever Mm -hmm. the hell happened in 2020. Like, yes, COVID, but I mean like in terms of just stock just booming for certain companies, right? And we know why Spotify and like Zoom and those types of companies, why they would just rise. But I think what we're what we are seeing right now is overall that just the market kind of correcting itself. And this sort of PR is not helping that. Like in the grand scheme of things, okay, yeah, they're up today. Fantastic. Now let's see how they um go the rest of the quarter. How it goes the rest 100%. of the quarter. Let's see how many 100%. other artists possibly remove their libraries from Spotify. Because there's some big ones talking about it. The yep, other side is worth ones. noting that like Netflix jumped ten percent today as well. Oh, there for you no go. reason. So but but, but here's Roku. the thing. But, but, Roku jumped seven percent. Fuck. And how much did Spotify jump? Twelve. See, but that that just goes to show you, right? Like it probably could have gone higher. Again, it's all speculation. But I just want to point that out. So Tyler, I know you've been doing a lot of research on this. So where do you want to start? I mean, where do where do you want to start first? Because I can talk about Spotify. I can talk about so, musicians. Right. So let's, talk about, let's talk about Spotify right now, and then we're going to jump into the artists, and then we're going to talk about our buddy Joe and his experiment. So I, I mean, yeah, I, 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 I handed in my manuscript today and did and spent a good chunk of this afternoon doing research, and I came to an interesting thesis. I haven't fully bought into this, but this is a theory that I think there's some weight, and that is that, like, let's... I think we can all agree that there are extremists online of a variety of political groups. Correcto. Yeah. I think we, I think that's pretty fair. Um, yes. Broadly speaking, I think I can defend the thesis that people who are right-wing nutters have less infighting and more coordination than people on the far left wing. 
I, you know what, personally, and I've done zero research to back this up. This is just like my gut feeling on that. Seeing mm-hmm. how, you know, I see the world and the, the circles that I that, that I tend to read stuff on. And I, I would agree with you. There tends to be a lot more infighting with more left-winged people. Yeah. I mean, I have other information to back that up and we can go into that. I'm just trying to go like, let's just let's just assume that for right now, because I want to give I want to give Spotify a slight defense on this one. Um, Let's say you're Spotify and you're in this position where artists are coming out at you against Joe Rogan. And historically, you've been fine. You say freedom of speech. Joe Rogan can do what he wants. We don't love everything he's doing, but broadly speaking, we support him. And normally you weather that just fine. And let's say, you know, stuff gets as bad as the rumors are, because there's rumors out there now that Foo Fighters, that Dolly Parton, Taylor Swift is talking about cutting Spotify. And those are some again, hmm? again for Taylor Swift. Yes. Um, but like those are big names and those start to be some bigger hits. If you're Spotify, you're in a rough position because shitty people on the internet are going to be shitty either way. And you now have to do your over under. And if we look at the last 30 years, broadly speaking, you get more and scarier death threats from people on the right than people on the left. Mm -hmm. And in part, that's because if you look at the cultural background of a lot of these people on the right, cut their teeth in events like Gamergate and some of them, especially the ones who are extremists, have been more prepped towards threats of violence. Um, yes, agree. So, yeah, I, so, I, I accept the premise for sure. Yeah, so if you're Spotify, you're in this shitty position now. Because if you cut Joe Rogan or you do anything too tough on him, the right wing gets mad at you and flips the fuck out. Yes. And yeah. even if that doesn't hit your bottom line directly, like even if that is such an, even if like the extremist right wingers are such a small group that it does not directly affect your bottom line. As in like, let's say, let's say there's this extreme right wing that is insane and any criticisms of Joe Rogan and they go like, oh, I'm, I'm cutting Spotify. And I'm not saying all right wingers, but there's a group. And let's say it's a small group. Their efforts there, though they do not directly affect your bottom line, they're also the same group that's gonna do a ton of death threats. Yes. And it's not just to the CEO of Spotify. Because if we look at past behavior, people on the extreme right are far more likely to track down and dox and threaten the lives of everyday people. And we're seeing it with poll watchers in the states. We're seeing it with people who are not part of any political party in the states that are getting death threats and harassed people outside their houses. And it's insane. So if you're Spotify, you're in this position of like, all right, we literally get death threats to our houses and possibly to our family members if we criticize joe rogan and historically we've been okay at what point and now with every day the perception from people on the left is going to be you stuck with joe rogan too long and the perception of people on the right is going to be why'd you turn on him mm-hmm. and again i'm speaking like the yeah. far groups on the other side and admittedly there's gonna be a bunch of people in between those rounds and i think that, that the issue is is they don't they're they're experiencing difficulty in sussing out where a lot of people right yes. a lot of people are sta- i think a lot i think most people if you were to talk about what Joe Rogan's done, they'd just be like, ah, he's a fucking idiot, whatever. How does that yeah. affect me? Well, that's that's the thing, right? When I'm talking to my friends, I'm like, how often do you listen to Joe Rogan? Never. Okay, yeah. so how does that, like, 
unless you're telling me that you listen to Neil Young 24 hours a day on Spotify, how is it interfering with your enjoyment of Spotify? Like, is it still not easy to get to? But at the same time, I understand the how offensive it is to to people when they sit there and they say, compounding the fact that, for example, for an artist to make one dollar on a song on Spotify, it needs to be played 350 times. Mm-hmm. And Joe Rogan got a hundred million dollars from Spotify to be exclusively on their platform. I oh, think that that is motivating people to finally maybe something's been simmering in the background for a while, and now they have a reason to to be angry, right? Like they're just like, "Oh, Joe Rogan, he's hurting people. He's doing this. He's doing that." And they paid for him, and they pay more for him yep. than they pay artists. And I only want to listen to music and blah 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 blah. Like, I mean, if I were to be, if I were to be insanely cynical, like, yeah, I would I would buy that. If it's like, look, this is a good negotiating position for them to come into. And I think the other side to remember is that like, Neil Young sold a bunch of his licensing rights for his music, so he doesn't like for every dollar Neil Young's music makes off Spotify. Neil Young, I think, makes fifty cents. So Neil like, Young also has his own streaming service. Sure, 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 sure. Like, Let's the, not forget that. I don't I do not want to discount that moral stances can be legitimate. And I don't yes. want to be super cynical and just be like, no, it's all about the money. Like th- there is a lot of motivations here. And maybe not Neil Young, because I don't know if, as much about his politics and background and stuff. That's just an area of ignorance. But Tony Mitchell for me is has Joni. regularly been a person who's chosen morality over finances time and time again. Well, you know. Dave Grohl, yeah. So Foo Fighters, you know Pearl Jam's going to be in there because they're best friends with Neil Young. Like, yeah. like you know, one of my first concerts was Neil Young headlining with Pearl Jam opening yeah. at CNE. Like, you know, back in the day before it was BMO Field or a parking lot. So anyhow, um, I, I get that there's a relationship, and there is like you know when my friend comes to me and says he quit it. It wasn't because he wanted to save the $10 a month. It was because he's like coming to me and asking me legitimately, what other music services can I try? Yeah, I, I want to spend my money somewhere else. Like I don't want to be spending it there. And yeah, I, I can't discount that like you say, but I'm not going to be all like anti. I, I have a tough time with being anti Spotify for reacting to the market in the marketplace with a guy like Joe Rogan. Like, I get the appeal for going out and getting him from their standpoint where we inherited a bunch of subscribers because people wanted the newest and the latest Joe Rogan content. Along with, we have a whole bunch of people who like music. Along with, you know, all these crossover groups and whatnot. Please subscribe to us. Give us your money. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a bad investment from their point of view. I, I understand why. They Ultimately, did it. I get why they did it, it a, but yeah, I wouldn't. No, no, I think it. even the numbers and the information of that era, it was a bad call. I think it was an easy, low hanging fruit. It was a lot of money. I mean, Joe Rogan, I think, made out like a bandit in that deal. And I can't blame him for it either, right? Like, if somebody drove a dump truck of money up to us and was like, hey, I got $50. <laughs> I mean, I can. How right wing no, no, do you can. want me to be? That's the question wealthy, I'm going to be asking. His entire bit was like, I'm I'm a legit guy. And it's like, no, no, you are willing to compromise your morals. And you're going to throw a shit fit about having to compromise your morals. Like, you're just, no, I'm going to blame oh. Joe, Joe Rogan. I think he's a fucking hypocrite. That's his shtick. Well, 
obviously he is. And this is what gets to me. Like, you know, it's one thing if Joe Rogan were just so bent on his views and he thought he was right and he's doing the right thing. But today, earlier today, Monday, January the 31st, he released an almost 10-minute video on Instagram, essentially apologizing, saying, and I quote, I will try harder to get people with different opinions on. So he knows what he's doing. He knows exactly what he's doing. That's the part that gets to me the most about all of this, is that he is doing this on purpose for those listens, and he's doing this on purpose because he knows that, you know, what we had just talked about is exactly what's happening, and that's in terms of the 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 the, the, the you know capturing a certain demographic. Let's just say no, one hundred percent. I mean, before we start to do the deep dive into Joe Rogan specifically, I also want to point out, and this gets to me, and I don't know why, but this this spoke to me. Of one of the things Joe Rogan said is that he's gonna do better. And he's going to do better and try to get different views. But he like, there's no concrete. There's no, like, it's just, it's this vague platitude. Yes. And you know what that reminded me of? What? The end of Batman v Superman, where Batman just says, we're going to do better. <laughs> and it's just like, what the fuck does that mean? Yeah. It's, here's the thing. It's the Zack Snyder, Randian view in the world of just, no, I'm just going to do better. But what does you know, better what does mean, mean, right? Shut the fuck up. Yeah. Like so, oh, this is like to 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 kind of maybe, but like and, and this could spring up more questions. This is his full quote. I pledge to you, my pledge to you is that I will do my best to try to balance out these more controversial viewpoints with other people's perspectives, so we can maybe find a better point of view. He said, adding he had no hard feelings towards Young or Mitchell. Now my issue here is that okay, what if he brings someone from another viewpoint? That is completely, for lack of a better word, a dumbass will embarrass themselves yeah. giving that opposite viewpoint just to further justify his viewpoints of. Wait, 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 wait. Are you saying what if Joe Rogan does what he already does yes. and regularly brings on people from the air quotes left and has them defend positions they're not versed in and not experts on. Yeah, for example, exactly. bringing on Adam Conover or an Australian com- uh, Adam Conover, who is like a vaguely lefty kind of science guy to talk about trans issues. When he even said during the interview, I'm not ready for this discussion and I'm not versed on it, but I'll still talk about it with you because I think you're wrong. But I don't have the data in front of me because I don't have a computer and you do. Or how, as I did my research, of all of his recent guests, of all, I mean, I'm gonna, I'm gonna list some jobs of recent guests, and you tell me which one you think pushed back about his vaccine bullshit. So we have a former U.S. general, a comedian from Australia, a cardiologist, a journalist, a musician, and an economist. Was the musician Kid Rock? <laughs> But it was Ted Nugent. Oh, God. Oh, gosh. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to have to say The Economist. I'm going to say The Australian the Comedian. goddamn Australian yeah. Comedian. Because you, sli- you slipped it. <laughs> yeah. I, I was thinking no, he was going to change it up. But Comedian was the only one to push back on Rogan's COVID stuff. And it became a small media firestorm. Because they were like, oh, man, they're fighting. Yep. Well, here, here's the thing, too. In his statement. All right. In his... 10 minute diatribe an apology if you can call it that sure. he he goes on to say 
he hasn't been making any notes or doing any prep for any shows. That's bullshit. He's That's just, a lie. I know. And I'm like, dude. That's a lie. We joke, I mean, we joke about it on here that we don't do any notes. And we do notes. Like, we do thing. prep. Like, no, no, no. Like, like, broadly speaking, that's always been, that has always been a defense of people who get in trouble. PewDiePie yeah. did it after he had the Death to Jews fiasco. Oh, God. And he said, there's no writers, there's no scripts. And you could see in the reflection that he was reading a script he had written. Yeah. Like, oh, saying there's no writing, no script, they, they, like, they act like this is a defense. Like, like, it is the, it's the, I'm defending, I'm, I'm not malicious because I'm incompetent. Is, it, I don't know, that's willful negligence to me. That is, yeah. that's, 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 to me, that's even worse because you know you shouldn't be talking about that stuff then. How often, how many yeah. times yeah. do we, how many times, guys, do we say on, when we're doing our quote unquote show prep, do we say, let's leave that, I want to do more research, right? Or even on, when we're talking about like on the air, quote unquote, on the air when we're recording, we say, all right, you know, let's table this or let's pencil that or we should do more research yeah. on this, right? But, but yep. to flat out go on the air, record, be recorded and yep. talking absolute bullshit and then your argument is going to be Mia Koopa, I didn't do my research, then you shouldn't be fucking talking about it in the first yeah, place. Especially is, is, with people's health and their decision making and the logic thereof. And like, their rights. But yeah. also, like, the, the thing Joe Rogan does, and there's other people who do this as well, and I will name names as we get further into this episode, but they do this thing. So, and so the, the Australian comedian was one Josh Zepps, a.k.a. Josh Zepps. Um, he's a comedian from Australia, had a comedic career, has hosted some shows. Rock on. Seems like a chill dude for the most part. When he started pushing back against Joe Rogan, against Joe Rogan's, like, views on vaccines and stuff being like no nah, i don't think this ain't real uh so he's a guest on joe rogan's show so having been both a host and a guest there is a power differential because mm -hmm. let's say we uh, let's say we had let's say we had phil on as a guest at the end of the day boris has final cut on all of this stuff so he can cut whatever you want which you know we have a setup here and we trust boris but also like that doesn't mean that power doesn't exist so if we ever, whenever we have a guest, like that changes how you phrase things and your approach. Secondly, like you're in their studio. And if you're going to pretend that like being in someone else's studio doesn't have some sort of power differential, you're a fucking liar or you have enough money that you don't care. Because mm -hmm. if you've been in a job interview, you know what it feels like to have that power differential. Mm -hmm. And finally, when you push back on Joe Rogan, he's got a producer that's talking to him in his ear and he's Googling shit. And you've got nothing. Yep. You don't have your phone. You don't have your computer. You're trying to do stuff off of memory, fighting against a producer and a dude with Google. And research. And he'll half cite shit off Google like he did against Josh Zepps, being like, well, this study says this. And you're like, well, I don't fucking know what the fuck you're talking about now. Mm -hmm. and, and, and you can't say that you're out doing your research then because you're literally doing shitty research on the fly. Yeah, but, but yeah, but that's the thing, right? Like, and that's the other thing that we should talk about, <laughs> kind of, and that's the fact that you know, um, you know, they're literally not only are they doing research on the fly, they're not only are they willfully making people with opposing viewpoints look like idiots. You know, it, it, this is only going to get worse, in my opinion, because now it's going to be highlighted. You know, the next episode is yep. going to be, you know, look at this up. Opposing viewpoint. 
Yeah. Well, it's what he's it's what he's always done. And and I have a list of his recent guests and their backgrounds and stuff that we're gonna go into. But I also want to look at like so so Boris manages most of the business end of this podcast. Which is honestly Phil and I don't do stuff and help out and stuff, but like Boris is the one who is setting strategic goals. Yeah. And is is kind he's our producer and he's kind of making some of those high level stuff high level decisions. So one of the things Boris checks in, I'm guessing minimum quarterly is what other shows show up in different websites that host us. Yep. Right? You're like, when, when we go on iTunes, when you go on Spotify, when you go on Stitcher, what are the shows that are like us? Yep. Because that lets us, that gives us feedback. And that lets us know, like, all right, what's our audience turning into? So if you presented yourself as a centrist, just like having interesting conversations across the aisle, and all of your comparators were lunatic self-help gurus and right-wingers, I think you'd fucking get the clue. So, I mean, pulling up Joe Rogan, it recommends on Spotify six shows. First is Lex Fridman, who's a tech, tech bro. Whatever. He's a, he's, a bit of, he's a little bit right-wing and then he's a libertarian. I don't love him. I think he's actually kind of an idiot, but that's fine. Number two is Tim Pool, who pretends he's a centrist. And I'm going to swing back around to Tim Pool later. Because I have a little game we're going to play about him. Next is Tim Dillon, who's a comedian who is like anti-censorship, anti-mandates, anti-political correctness. Like, what a goddamn surprise. The next is Jordan fucking Peterson. Yep. And then it's a self-help guru. And then it's Sam Harris, who's also a right-wing nut job. <clears throat> like, there's no left-wing nut jobs there. So you're obviously not presenting both sides of the aisle. Yep. Well, look at, look at just the way he deal, dealt with CNN. Right. Like Joe, Joe's been in a public controversy with CNN in the past few weeks because they re-air some of his videos from Instagram. And one of them was when Joe came on Instagram and said, I've got COVID. And what they did was, I guess, like there was some evidence to suggest it. And this was CNN presenting their own evidence about what Joe Rogan was claiming. But apparently... Joe was saying that CNN was putting a gray filter on him to make him look sicker than he actually was. And he had a vibrant filter on the Instagram post to make him look super pinky and colorful. And they dulled it down because it was probably overexposed on their feed. Yeah, it probably looked shit in their feed and they were trying to correct. Exactly. It looked like it was like an autocorrect that went a little bit wild. But I'm just like, wow, this is the battle. Like, you're just going ape shit all over CNN because they, you know, they, they dumbed down the, the contrast on your stupid, shitty, manipulated Instagram feed. Like, I mean, separately is what it is, is Joe Rogan loves to rail against CNN, MSNBC and other stuff in the mainstream media sphere that, again, like there are some very legitimate critiques of CNN and MSNBC, but them using like kind of a shitty filter and not going great or them saying that you're taking a medication that's also used as horse tranquilizer and quibbling over their very specific verbiage. That's a shitty fucking critique. That's yep. that's lazy sphere. And that's because you want in that right wing grift of saying MSNBC and CNN are fake news. That's because you don't see him do. doing the same shit on Fox News. That's what he wanted to do. Yep. It's just to continue on that little diatribe. So, do you want to go into his recent guests? Let's go it. Let's do it. Let's let's see what's right. going on. 
So we're going over his recent guests. Uh, this takes us back to the beginning of December 2021 because dude's prolific. I'll give him that. Dude is recording about three to four hours of content a day. Jeez. So like rock on. Good for him. He's good at that. Um, and I went back in time through his guests and I eliminated anyone who I knew who I knew offhand was a comedian or an athlete or an MMA person because fine. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna shit on Joe for talking to those people. And I don't think that's fair to be like Joe's talking to an MMA person. I don't I'm not gonna hold that to the same standard of when he talks to political people. And this was mainly in the response to the critique of him being like, I am just trying to reach across the aisle and present different viewpoints. Right? So I, I cut those people out at the beginning. And that left me with going back to uh, this takes me back to about early November 2021, actually. Okay. Um, and 17 people. I also included Ted Nugent because it's kind of fucking funny that he to- spoke to- <laughs> spoke to Ted Nugent. Like, no, I'm 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 real <laughs> balanced. I'm going to talk to Ted Nugent. Yeah. We're going to talk about guns and the COVIDs. <laughs> so, the most recent person that I didn't recognize is Valentine Thomas. Oh, okay. And holy fuck, did I feel like I won the goddamn lottery with this person? So Valentine Thomas is a former lawyer turned health enthusiast chef and spear fisherwoman who most of her Instagram is her in a bikini hunting fish with a spear and whatever, which that's fine. Like you do you rock on queen or king or whatever you want to be and procs. My issue is that as I've talked about before, I too am a former law professional and I too worked in fisheries. And this woman does not know, well, sorry, this woman's either an idiot or a liar because she speaks a big game about issues like fish fraud, real fucking issue, where it's like a bunch of the fish you buy at the store or at a restaurant is not the fish it says it is. Do you have a thing that says it's white tuna? That's not tuna at all. That's a different fish entirely. It's a tilapia. fisheries fraud. Hmm? It's a tilapia. No, white tuna is a different thing. But you're right, tilapia is a lot of it, which is a type of catfish in turn. Uh, However, if you're actually in the fisheries space and you actually care about fisheries management, you wouldn't be hunting tuna. You would know that tuna is like one of the most fucking endangered species. Yep. And already is a huge fucking problem. And all of her positions and policy recommendations I can find are just kind of like the individual should just vaguely do better. Right. It's like you should just be more aware about fisheries fraud. And my response to that is always like, so how much do you need to know about everything? Right. Like, do you need to know about hackers and fisheries fraud and know how to negotiate a mortgage contract? Yeah. Right. Um, I approve of her Instagram. <laughs> She's made some choices. <laughs> and, and I find follow. this like, like pedally funny. She does not have that much of a social media prefer, pre, uh, social media presence for like how big some of the reporting on her has been. I just find that interesting. That's neither here nor there. Like I don't have a huge social media presence. I find it very funny. She's gotten some major coverage and rock on, do your thing. But she has like twenty four hundred Twitter followers, and that's just a little bit odd. Yeah. Well, there's two good reasons why that she has uh, gets attention of the media. <laughs> I'm oh. not gonna i'm not gonna call her instagram and her twitter person. i don't know what you guys are talking about it's and it's, uh, 
No, yeah, like, look, I'm, I'm not gonna. Here's the thing: it's like, rock on. can we please move on? And shit, but don't pretend you're a fisheries advocate when you're like not helping the cause. Yeah. Well, she's also fish. like, you can't just say like spear fishing is not a viable solution to world hunger. It is too, right? Man, like, it's just like more people should like, like it ignores that fisheries in a lot of countries with not a lot of money, fisheries and fishing acts as an ad hoc social safety net. Right. Like if you don't have EI and you're in, I don't know, Somalia and you can't pay rent and for your food this month, having a friend with a boat means you can go fishing and you can eat and pay rent and saying everyone should spear fish like that solves the problem is insane. Right. Next most recent guest is Jordan fucking Peterson. Yes. <laughs> that I don't even know where to start with. Jordan Peterson makes me. It makes me want to create new, like new limitations on freedom of the press, because the man is a habitual liar. Like the man's entire career is predicated on lies from the beginning. Like his entire claim to fame is lying about what a law says, and people would be like, "It doesn't say that," and he'd be like, "But it does," and he'd be louder and sound more like Kermit, and that was okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And fuck it. Let's do a Jordan Peterson deep dive later, because otherwise I'm going to be here for an hour. Yeah, My little yeah, notes yeah. on Jordan Peterson are, I can do a rant on this. I don't need to research. I've never really paid any attention to him. I'm so jealous. Next up, Dr. Robert Epstein. Dr. Robert Epstein is anti-Facebook and anti-Google because he thinks that they, they censor, they think, he thinks that they overly censor certain points of view. You know... <clears throat> Especially right wing ones. When people, I, I knew you were going to say that. That's why I, I jumped in right away. Because it, there are private third party studies that flat out state that right wing voices are less censored than anyone else. Yep. And internal reports from Facebook that they didn't want the rest of the world to know about. Yeah. Which also goes back. And I don't know why. Oh, yeah. Go for it. Which goes back to our previous conversation about which voices you would rather have angry at you because, yep. well, you know, so, 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 so your thesis that you stated earlier is really starting to sound pretty fucking good right now there, Tyler. What a goddamn surprise. He also is anti-adolescence. He thinks that people, especially men, should just, just grow up, just grow up, just grow up and take responsibility, which again, like. You know, how do I deal with poverty? Just grow up and take responsibility. Like, it's it's insane. Okay. Next up, and this is one of my favorites. This is actually one of my favorites because this man is a delight. It's like a it's like a, a like a chef's kiss level of this man is a, a, a grifter. So this is James Lindsay, oh, whose Lord. claim to fame was publishing a series of air quotes academic studies in academic journals where he claimed to prove that there's a left-wing bias Yep, because he was able to publish a study that said that like we shouldn't actually talk about about penises as a physical thing but more of like this this esoteric concept that is ruining the world and it got published and he's like see the academy's out to get sane people and ignored the fact that like that paper got rejected from reputable sources wow well there he had to pay to get that published yeah his counter woke craft. Yep. And that's just, that's all he does. He's just like, look, the wokes are crazy and does whatever he can. <laughs> and the Academy just keeps being like, yeah, this is all peer review working as it should. 
And like being able to occasionally slip a paper through the peer review process isn't some big gotcha. Yeah. Right. Like it's it's no one in the academy and no one in the sciences has ever represented that this is a foolproof system. It's a system mm-hmm. that self-corrects over time. So if a peer-reviewed study gets through, the idea is supposed to be that, and then everyone looks over it again and disagrees with you, and over time we make discoveries. And oh. sometimes you let stuff get published that is less supported, that is a little more contentious, because the debate is, is important. Yeah. Which yeah. right-wingers well, like You have to actually want. back it up and prove it, right? And then other people apply their parameters to it come out to a different conclusion than dispute the paper, right? Where they go, actually, no, we found this was the case. And not only us, but these other four institutes did as well. Yeah. Like, but instead like makes a mockery of the peer review process and uses it to a claim that the academy and science can't be trusted. Which again, right up Joe Rogan's alley. Scientists and big big heads can't be trusted. Or yep. his head just got huge on our feed. Oh, you have no Next up was Ben Patrick, who I didn't know. Turns out he's a physical trainer. Again, gets a pass. Next yeah. up was a chef. Again, gets a pass. Yeah, Next but it was a was... chef that only prepared spear fish. fish. No, actually, it was a chef that just keeps <laughs> running reality TV shows, which I'm kind of like, all right, he's good at reality TV shows. Good for him. I don't care. Next up was General H.R. McMaster, who served the Trump administration and is a pretty right-wing general. Oh, Sure. Who also has just signed a bunch of deals to be on the board of directors of various Silicon Valley companies, particularly in artificial intelligence and things that have to do with weapons and war. Oh, that sounds good. <laughs> Next up was Josh Zepps. Talked about him already. Australian comedian. Got in a fight with Joe Rogan about COVID vaccines. Man. Next up is Oliver Stone, Fuck. who is the first person who I was like, oh, this person is not obviously right wing. Yeah, Oliver Stone is a Scientologist Hollywood producer who's behind a bunch of major movies, is a JFK aficionado, has had a good few dozen sexual assault allegations against him. (laughs) Also says that Hitler was worse towards the Russians than the Jews. Yep. Also says Russia has a right to invade Ukraine. Well, he he basically Uh. said that in his movie Salvador. So. He's also, and again, he's kind of left wing, kind of, in that uh-huh. he says he's left wing. Uh-huh. I don't know a goddamn policy position of his that I think that I've seen that's actually left wing. <coughs> you know, it's like, funny because um, like back before the internet, Oliver Stone would have been considered a conspiracy nut job. Like I remember Art Bell used to have him on his show all the time. Remember when the guests of Art Bell were insane? Now they're the sane yeah. ones. Well, number one, Art Bell's dead, but George Nori and that show. Now Anyways. they do Joe Rogan instead. <sighs> yeah. I, 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 yeah, I, I get it. I get it. I, I'm whatever. You know what? There was a point at which I would have done a search on YouTube or something like that, maybe for a name or an idea, and the Joe Rogan experience would pop up. Sure. And I'd click on it. And maybe it was an isolated clip for like three minutes of the three and a half hours or whatever it was. Sure. Or maybe maybe it was a longer episode with a guest that I really wanted to hear what they had to say and hear where the conversation went. I would occasionally listen to it. I'd be somewhat entertained. So then I'm not a regular listener, though. I wasn't listening to 
the weekly, the daily, the the churn, right? And that I was, I I remember thinking at a certain point, like this guy's a wee bit off. Like it's not just the fear factor guy here. <laughs> like this is, he's definitely got a lean about him. And I'm like, you know, okay, whatever. I I kept on getting it all confused with Sasquatch, right? Because that's the kind of stuff that he was like big about. I'm going to go out in the woods and look for a Sasquatch for three days. And I'm going to give you evidence that Sasquatch exists. And he'd produce nothing. And I'm like, okay, so this is the same as everybody else. Like, this is Joe playing in the woods going, hmm, Sasquatch pooped here. Mm -hmm. And there's no poop. So that's my experience with the guy. I, yeah. Just really disappointing. Interesting. So this we also a- got, like, we got a few more to get through. Yeah, no, keep going. There's an Adam Curry who literally who hosts a podcast called No Agenda. Sounds great, right? No Agenda, literally no agenda to it, right? Mm-hmm. Right. That's mm-hmm. the name. Right? Uh, dude has repeatedly supported Ron Paul for president. Oh my god. He is. Uh, he believes about uh, the New World Order. Okay. He, uh, oh gosh, Boris is leaning real close to the camera, like fuck this. Yeah, it's funny that curious. you guys know my leans. <laughs> oh my god, this guy's just fucking insane. Like this man's insane. Anyway, uh, next up is Doctor Peter McCullough, who's a cardiologist who spreads COVID misinfo. Did you know yeah, that? No, trust doctors about their area of expertise. Yeah, I think do not trust. Do- yeah. Hmm? No, and I think that comment, trust doctors about their areas of expertise is key. Because, I don't like, think I'd trust this guy with cardiac information or guidance anyway, if he's got COVID this wrong. Uh, I mean, look, this is, this dude is being sued by Baylor for $51 million, it looks like. By God, that's amazing. He also, like, he, he's like... Pro early treatment, which is fine, but also he's like pro early treatment, but don't vaccinate as though vaccines are not like part of early treatment and management of a disease. He's also pro hydro hydro hydroxychloroquine. Yeah, I remember this guy. He was on CNN. He was quacking out about that when Trump was on about it. Yeah. Like, look, then, yeah. like, anyway. look, there's there's a popular YouTuber, local guy. All right. Peter McKinnon. He yeah. posted a video last week and it said, I got COVID. Sure. All right. And it's his five days of isolation. The first day looked like it was horrible. It looked, yeah. you know, and Pete's pretty upfront, I believe. And he's just like, you know, he's got his vaccines and everything like that. He's got little kids. He's, he's, you know, trying to live as responsibly as he can. He's just got a lot of exposure points too, because he's a filmmaker. He's got to get out in the world. He's got to do things. Anyhow, for the next four days of his five day isolation, the guy was bored stiff. Because he got his vaccines and he's just like, yeah, I had a crappy day. I'm lucky. Yeah. You know, and and he he made light of it in that sense. Like, hey, you know what? Like, I I sat around my garage and played with my truck and pretended that I was riding my motorcycle and stuff like this because I had to stay in, had to be responsible. You know? Yeah. Just like, come on, people. Yeah, I'm with you. Next up. Yeah, go ahead. Keep going. Keep going. Next up, Blair White, uh, a trans woman. Who is like the most right wing trans woman ever? It's bizarre. <laughs> if you want a separate like goddamn trip, look into Blair White in debates with other right wingers because I don't understand this person. I wish her well. 
But I've seen her debate people about like, I have a place in the Republican Party. And they're like, you should burn in hell. And Blair White's like, got to agree to disagree on that one. I love when people of certain viewpoints, (laughs) right wing, always get that one wackadoodle person like a Candace Owens, like, uh, you know, those types of people to just literally campaign and profess, look, we're right, because this one minority speaks for the entire minority race, the minority anything. So hence, therefore, we are right. My favorite bit about Candace Owens, too, is like for a woman who keeps alleging that racism doesn't exist, she sued her university for systemic racism. I know. Uh, Matt Taibbi. This is the closest one that I'm willing to give Joe Rogan. Matt Taibbi is a bit of a nutter. And I'm kind of willing to give Joe Rogan this one because Matt Taibbi's got some kind of right-wing conspiracy theorist bents. But the dude just wants to be Hunter S. Thompson again. And I was willing to give Joe Rogan a pass on this one. of just like, I don't think this counts either way. Yeah. Um, He is like, he super thinks that Trump didn't make that call to Ukraine, though. Like he's like he's willing to put a lot of like a lot of his rep on it. Uh, next up, Ted Nugent. After that, Tim Pool. <laughs> this is the one we were going to go back to. So I'm going to list two descriptions of who Tim Pool could be, <laughs> and y'all are going to tell me which one you think is Tim Pool. All right, let's let's get to this. Option number one: Tim Pool is a reporter who got his start working on issues like Occupy Wall Street um, before becoming quickly disillusioned with the left in scare quotes and going on to create a documentary um, alleging that minorities are taking over Sweden and generally continue to portray himself as a centrist while moving ever and further and further right. Or Tim Pool runs a compound in the middle of nowhere from which she broadcasts a series of different, what he calls news operations, um, where he repeatedly waxes philosophical and political about the incoming American Civil War take two and how it is the left who will be the inciting factor. Boris, I think it's person number one or person number two. Man, I wanted to be person number two so badly. But I'm pretty sure it's person number one because I'm pretty sure I've heard of this guy. So, Phil, I'm in the same boat as Boris. I wanted number two really badly, but I'll go with number one. I played a goddamn trick on you. He's both. Yeah, oh, because I, I I know I know I remember his Occupy Wall Street coverage way back when, right? Um, yeah. I remember that stuff well, actually. Uh, and um, but yeah, but dude lives in a compound now. Where they had a major COVID outbreak because there's no COVID protocols there. Right. Dude is super right wing and keeps doing the line of like, I'm a centrist, actually. I was left wing and then they got a little bit too politically correct and I changed all of my policy views. Which, fuck man, if I could meet a single person who is actually like, I still agree with all these policy views. The PC is getting a bit much. I have like these legitimate concerns. I'd listen to that person. It's these insane people who are like, nah, they got a little bit too. I can't use the N-word as much anymore, which don't use the fucking N-word. But, and are like, so therefore, 
billionaires shouldn't be taxed. Just like, fuck you. Wow. We, we only have three more people to get to the first not openly right-wing person. Okay. Actually, it was Ron White, the comedian, who is part of the Blue Collar Comedy Tour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, separately, in his defense, again, I think Ron White is legitimately pretty funny. I think he's got some really solid jokes. I grew up rural Manitoba, so I get it. I get the blue-collar type humor. And the dude's actually pretty non-political with a lot of his shit. He does not like taking a, a side. Right. But he's a comedian. And I saw Ron White in this list, and I was like, that can't be the comedian. That has to be someone else. And nope, it's Ron White, the comedian. The comedians <laughs> tend to try to portray themselves as non-political. They used it's to. better for the audience. Exactly. Do we want to go into that? <laughs> no. No. Let's move on. We have two more. Okay, two more. Next up. Ben Shapiro. Fuck me. Oh, just getting both sides. You know, I, I love the, this sounds this is honestly this episode of the It's Canon podcast is honestly sounding more and more like an episode of something NPR. Like, I mean, here's the thing. I'm going to shit on this left wing person next so much. <laughs> All right. Go ahead. Next up, the first person on his thing that was not that was like at all political. And not fucking openly right wing. And we have to go all the way back to early November 2021, correct? Yeah, about there. Okay. Steven Pinker. Oh, my Lord. The cognitive psychologist, psycholinguist, and pop science author. He's also a public intellectual who is like Joe Rogan's fucking like, that is cocaine for Joe Rogan. Is the public intellectual, as in the person who has kind of a degree. And just wants to wax philosophical about all sorts of shit. And, yeah, dude is, like, he's kind of left-wing. <sighs> he he does a lot on, like, how we make decisions. He, you know, he helped try to get Epstein, uh, Epstein uh, prosecuted in 2007. But the, good friend, the guy's good friends with Alan Dershowitz, who's a lunatic. Yeah. He's also good friends with Noam Chomsky, kind of. And has worked with a lot of Nobchowski's work. And he just kind of wants us to be generally good. And he is like legitimately critical of stuff like colonialism. But also, oh. I don't know. Well, Dude is really shitty at drowning out people who are not white dudes. Yeah, that's what I'm noticing from this list. What? What, what are you saying? Hold on. Number one, the only chit woman... <laughs> <laughs> that was funny um and the reason why i say it is just because of uh, still on her instagram page and that so there was only one woman on this entire list let's start two 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 they're white oh yeah you're right you're right sorry um well that there were other women but they were almost all mma or or like personal trainer people right but that but that goes again no, a hundred percent. Again, just, that I, makes it even worse. I'm that makes it. I know. Giving context. I know. I no, no, no. I know. I know you are, and but it, it, it's it's just angering, angering me even more. <sighs> Lordy, Lord, Lord, guys, this is just ridiculous. I didn't think it was this bad. I honestly like this is how little I pay attention to him. Is I didn't think it was this bad at all. Yeah. Oh yeah. Pretty terrible. Like scrolling through the list, it's like, oh great. White, 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 white. Oh, Tony Woods. White, 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 white. 
oh, Brian Simpson. White, 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 white. <sighs> yeah, well, he broadcasts out of Texas. God. So, I know a lot of progressive people. So, going back to our original point, this is what scares me the most now. You know, when he brings in opposing viewpoints, what is that going to actually effing mean? Like, to me, you know, we, we've said it. It's just going to be a a person who's ill-prepared, you know. Joe Rogan and has. And he has the bonus of the producers. Yeah, producers and, the and researchers literally in his ear. Yep, on, in the studio. This is. Like, they sit at the same desk as him, and they Google crap and put it up on the projector. Yep. Like, yeah, that's yep. what they do. I it's right. Like it, it, we have to go back to get anyone who is at all at all like COVID might be real. And let's talk about that. Mm-hmm. You got to go to October 2021 with Dr. Sanjay Gupta, who is the C- yes. chief medical correspondent for CNN. CNN. Yeah. And literally the day before we had Alex Berenson, who wrote Pandemania or Pandemia, how coronavirus is stereotypical over our government rights and lives. Like that's not a fucking balanced portrayal. Yeah. Yeah, and and from what I hear, the Sanjay Gupta interview was a complete trash fire. Like, sure. It was a complete trash fire because he he basically broached a whole bunch of topics. Sanjay told him that he's uncomfortable talking about. It would goddamn he, surprised. Yeah, we're gonna do it anyway, Sanjay, because you're here. <sighs> no, and, yeah, I mean, this sounds like a really common tactic that Rogan does if he actually buddy buddy with you. Regardless, he's like, oh, we're just friends here. We're just hanging out. But he's just nicer to right-wing people. And especially, he's just nicer to white dudes. Especially rich ones. Come on. Hey, Elon, well, that's separately. Have I a think, joint. <laughs> yes. But I think specifically, like, with how much he tries to fillet Elon Musk. Yeah. Like, I don't know if you guys saw the, the social media thing of Elon Musk, Jordan Peterson, and Joe Rogan standing in front of, like, the new Tesla truck. Yeah. And it's like, all right. Yeah, I saw that. Ah, I, the whole thing just makes me. You know, Star Wars had a show this week. <laughs> yeah. Jeez, you know, we'll talk about the soft line. I'm looking at something in on my screen right now that's making my blood just boil so fucking much. Oh, my god joe rogan this guy it's just ridiculous like at the end of the day you know you know going back to your thesis earlier tyler and you know yeah i think that not only by listing off his recent guests you know they're 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 placating to towards a certain demographic a certain uh you know like-minded people with today's bullshit quote-unquote apology you know he yeah. it was just the biggest pr stunt humanly possible and nothing is going to change obviously i don't like I, if you honestly think that he's going to change one fucking bit you i have a plot of land to sell you on the moon like this is ridiculous but what gets me the most at the end of the day is that spotify has literally just said whatever it is what it is well, they, they did put warnings on it. Speak. Yeah, yes. there's, a, there's a COVID warning. Well, okay, so I want to know more about this. We're on Spotify. We get up. I get updates about stuff that they're doing to the algorithm. I haven't heard anything about this. They haven't sent anything about this to us. Sure. You Interesting. Know, what, 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 what are they adding? An audio thing before an episode? A warning on the episode description? What are they adding? 
I, I thought it was some kind of description or redirect to actually be able to get factual but, accredited yeah. news from now, the government. But what gets to me the most about all of this is back to what I was saying, and this is the issue that, or the thing that gets to me the most about Joe Rogan, is that by doing that, by adding that, they are essentially admitting we are spreading misinformation, just like Fox News. Take this as entertainment, right? Yep. Yeah. Like it's WWE for the political mind. Fuck's sake. <laughs> Fuck's sake. <laughs> I regret choosing this topic today. Oh man. Yeah. I'm surprised you guys wanted to go into it. All right, Tyler. Like How do you want to wrap this up? What do you got for us? <sighs> I think the way to wrap this up is to also look at the other side of this, which is that Joe Rogan can really easily say, like, oh, I get people from others, all sorts of sides and stuff. But there's an ecosystem that Joe Rogan is a part of, and his blindness to the contrary, whether willful or, or whatever, is a testament to the larger problem, yeah. right? Like, the dude has Alex Jones on, who, like, the dude believes in violence against people who disagree with them. Yeah. And I don't know how you can say, you know, like... I can't, we, we could not have someone on this podcast who says, I believe we should kill Phil, and that is their official political po- population population <laughs> position, and then be like, Phil, your rebuttal, and pretend that's balanced. Like, that's insane. Yeah. And Joe Rogan loves having people on, and then they'll go on Tim Pool, Sam Harris, and Stephen Crowder, and Steve Bannon, who, like, Steve Bannon, who literally... He literally shares guests regularly with people who think that we should have white men running the world. Mm -hmm. That's their official political statement. And I'm not saying Joe Rogan is guilty by association. I'm saying that his inability to be critical about what's going on around him and his willingness to repeatedly do this. It stinks. The issue at the end of the day, it's a similar issue that I'm having to this caravan of idiots in Ottawa right now. And it's when something seems fishy, they don't say no moss, they embrace it, and that makes it ten times worse. Yeah. That's where we're at, gents. All right, guys, let's move on. We're going to be talking a little bit Peacemaker, and then we're going to be finishing the episode off with Phil and his viewpoints on the latest episode of The Book of Boba Fett, because what an episode that was. So let's start with some Peacemaker. I think we're getting into the meat and potatoes of this series. Uh, we've seen some swerves. We've seen some the group getting back together or together. Everyone's starting to love each other. There was some God. laugh out loud moments in this episode, particularly when Peacemaker goes apeshit with a shotgun. I just laughed so fucking hard that entire scene. Um, and obviously when they're riding together in the truck both times, but this episode was so so well done, but the one criticism I do have of this show, and and, 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 and I feel like it's almost nitpicking, is that I feel like the main plot of the possible quote-unquote invasion, the secret wars, the DC secret wars, seems to be going very slow, and it's complete secondary to Peacemaker and his antics, and maybe that's the entire point of this show. Um, right? But I just find I, that like I there's no real plot going 
going on. I don't hate that because, yeah, I have a difficult time at the end of each week going, what did I just watch? Yeah. But I have to quantify it with how much fun was it to watch exactly. a ton. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I, I don't know where the hour went. I can't sit there and go, the bar ticked this much on the scale of what that I don't even care what's going on in that universe. Really. Yeah. I just care about the absurdity of John Cena, his relationships with these people, his relationships to the music and the, and the amount of action that's going on on screen. Like it's just, it's fun. It's yep. just fun. It's not meant to sit there and go, Oh, you need to figure out this moral dilemma and you need to figure out this characterization and all this. It's just like, no, no, he's got a pet eagle that hugs him. But at the end of the day, though, this show also has, like, it's actually very deep at the same time because, you know, the episode really kicks off with with Peacemaker kind of still feeling lonely as shit. He feels like he's alone in the world, um, you know, in, 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 in kind of connection with last week's episode when his dad essentially said, fuck you, you know, I hate you. Um, you know, so 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 this show is deep on certain levels, and I think that we're going to continue yeah. th- pulling on those threads. Uh, we're still going to continue pulling on the threads of this team coming together and and unifying. But I love the fact that okay, everyone is happy, everyone's unified, and then the big swerve happens at the at the end of this episode, and we don't know exactly what happens with that one team member who finds out, you know, stuff stuff. Yeah, and the interesting part is I think this is part of Tyler's kind of narrative about the Disney shows where I think DC are, to your point, kind of playing into the we're going to do stuff that's based off the movie, but we're not going to do anything that affects the movie because we want audiences to go see the movie. So there's a whole bunch of wheel spinning going on on the TV front. And they're just like, ah, we're going to give you more fun. Of course. That's the whole fucking point yeah. of this. Yeah, yeah, it for sure might be that. I also do want to give them the benefit of the doubt of like, it could just straight up be, you know, yeah, the plot's always going to be secondary. It's more of almost like a, of the office. Of yeah. like, yeah, the murder is just what they do, but this is really about the relationship of these yeah. people. Yeah. Oh, look at the intro. Come on. Like, like yes. we all love it. We all sit there and watch it. We don't skip over it. We don't ever you know and and it's really hard when that's the tone setter for the show like it it puts you in a mood when you watch that of i don't know what i'm gonna see but i know it's gonna be fun yeah right it's not gonna sit there and go we're gonna challenge the moral codes of this scientific sci-fi universe (laughs) three episodes left I know. That's what. That's the part that gets to me. It's like, where are we in this story? What's going on? I look at the calendar. I'm like, three episodes left. Oh, fuck. They, this show better get renewed. Yeah. I mean, yeah it could go either way. It, it, I'm with you, Boris. Like, a potential area of concern, it just depends on the land. Yeah. But, it, but it's, like you said, it's more nitpicking. And I'm taking a look at this. Yeah. Like, you know, if I was writing a proper review of this show, that would be like my one con of this show. If you're looking for a deep explanation of the an expansion of the DC Extended Universe, you ain't getting it. But that's not a bad thing because what's our number one issue with MCU and the Disney Plus MCU shows is that they are possibly, possibly making the MCU a lot more complicated than they really should be. Do these yep. shows have any actual uh, footing in the MCU? 
we don't know. Yep. But this show kind of counters that. It goes against that trend where it's like, okay, this takes place in some DC universe. We don't know what the fuck DC universe this is going to be because we don't know what the DC universe is going to look like after the Flash. So let's just have some fun with it. Right. And that's really what I enjoy about this show. Uh, so, yeah, three more episodes. Really looking forward to it. Honestly, this show, I'm enjoying more than Star Wars because it's just like it's 40 minutes where I just have fun and I escape. Yes. And I laugh yeah. and I rewind back to the intro at least twice. Uh-huh. <laughs> Bill, take it over. Okay. Book of Boba Fett. I got to say this week. We have the return of the Mandalorian. Now, already on the internet, the big outrage is, how can the best episode of the Book of Boba Fett be a epi- an episode, an entire episode of the Mandalorian and doesn't even have Boba Fett in it? That's been the crux of what most people... Now, I am happy to see that a couple journalists or, you know, supposed... Uh, a couple critics wrote articles to that tone but by and large from my feed and my reading almost everybody similarly enjoyed the episode as i did it was a huge canon mine all right because we had a whole bunch of stuff answered from the ending of the mandalorian season two about the transfer of the darksaber we had a lot of stuff that we theorized about as geeks and nerds, and I, I do understand that when you start to theorize about stuff, you're setting expectations. And that's a difficult thing to live into. That's also so, a very scary thing because, yes. that, you know, this this feeds into anger and anger leads to you can keep going with that. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, and that's that's one of the traps. But all right, I'm going to say this. I, I have watched Star Wars Explained. I really enjoy that channel. He brought up a good point, and I was feeling very similarly about it. He's like, you have to look at this episode like it's a interlude in a book. Yeah. He's like, Star Wars books have done this before. But he's like, you also have to realize that there's a parallel going on between the Mando story and Boba Fett's story. And that is one of the big themes in both stories at this point in the character's life is change. So you have Boba Fett in this series being introduced to being a bounty hunter, to being a dead bounty hunter, you know, in the Sarlacc pit, to being reborn, to being part of the Sand People, you know, the Tusken Raiders community, to understanding loyalty and, and, and relationships in his life for the first time and realizing that he had an absence of them in his life as a bounty hunter, to wanting to become a dynamo and run his enterprise with that loyalty and whatnot in the foundation and become a better person as a result, not be working for scug holes. Like he tells, mm-hmm. you know, BK. Yeah. And then you look at, at Din Jarden and you look at the struggle that he has. He goes back to his old family, the covert, and they reject him because yeah. he's taken his helmet off. And then he goes and he basically is leaning into being a bounty hunter but the sword itself is fighting him because it knows that this is not who he needs to be. All right. It, it's, it's fighting what it is that he's allowing himself to become. All right. And it knows you're a better guy than this, or there's other theories and those all stand to be reasonable, but then he goes, 
he gets the new Razor Crest, which is a Naboo N1 Starfighter, which is not at all what a bounty hunter should be using. He can't carbon freeze people. He can't rack up bounties to cash out like he did with the Razor Crest. No, this is a thing that basically they built with a little seat for Grogu and a little seat for Din Djarin. And guess what? Because his new path is going to be the caretaker of Grogu, right? What does he do? The one favor he's able to ask of the covert is to make a gift for his family, for Grogu, which he ties up to even look like a little baby Yoda head. Yep. So what if he can do that and be the Mandalore? And that's that's possible too. Like, there's a lot of debate in the Star Wars universe about who the Mandalore is going to be. Right. Like, is it going to be Boba Fett? Is it going to be Din Jarden? I, I think the obvious lead is it's going to be Din. Yeah. I, I think that that's why he's called the Mandalorian. Yeah. They're setting up the Mythosaur to be this huge thing. Yeah. In, in the series, they, they've done that with the Rancor a little bit, too, because Boba Fett indicates that maybe he's ridden a Mythosaur before. Because the original 1977 cartoon in the Christmas special or the Life Day special was Boba Fett riding a Mythosaur. Yeah. So it's it's a fun little thing that's happening. And I think Star Wars fans have to calm down and wait until the series runs course. Because every week we fly into this, what the heck was going on this week? And then the next week we find out that there's a big reasonable explanation for it. What? They're competent at their job? Who would have thought? Crazy, crazy, yeah. crazy concept. Now, Phil, let, let me take your idea because I wanted to, and I'm so glad that you brought this up because I want to bring out the parallels. You've talked about the parallels of the Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett. Now, let me, and you kind of talk about this rebirth, right? Now, yeah. let me ex- extrapolate that and kind of bring that into the larger Star Wars universe. To me, this is a expansion of the Star Wars universe, a rebirth of the Star Wars universe. And the fact that we have now moved away from the Skywalker saga, we are now expanding this universe to include other major characters and kind of see what their lives are like within this world. So I kind of see those parallels. And to me, you know, if, if anything, this show is just going to be the, these shows have already proven that they will be the gateway to the rest of, of the Star Wars universe, whether that be, you know, the 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 now rumored, um, you know, well, we we have the Obi Wan show coming. We have um, a bunch of rumors on new shows that are coming up, but I believe that it, like this is the whole point. This is now the full explosion of this universe post Skywalker we have saga. Ahsoka. We have rumors of Bo Katan show, things like that. I found the armorer saying today. That the Empire lasted 30 years, Mandalore has lasted thousands. Mm-hmm. I think that that's also a tip-off to, we want to tell more Mandalorian stories if that's what our customers want. If they're willing to do that James Cameron Terminator 2 kind of Night of a Thousand Tears, which is a big deal in Star Wars, okay? This is something that we haven't really seen committed to any form of media but we've had it referred to. We know that shit went down on Mandalore and we actually got a very Terminator 2 thing happening. And I think there's a lot of storytelling about what went on with the moon, what went on with these different subsets uh, of subsets of Mandalorians, what went on with the, you know, the fact that John Favreau is Mandalorian is a Vizsla. 
right? Mm-hmm. The guy who is very obsessed with the sword. That's John Favreau, supposedly, mm-hmm. in the costume, right? Also, and, also, at the end of the day, like, there's still so much aura, unknown aura around yeah. Mandalore itself. Remember that famous yeah, and line that's what in I Mandalorian mean. Like, season two, right? Yeah. We, we, we still haven't got a reason for why Darth Maul stopped using the Darksaber. Like, uh, like they found it on a shelf yeah in dark in Darth Maul's like shack right mm-hmm. like like there's a for a while there the last fight that we saw it being used in canon was when Darth Maul fought Palpatine yeah right and I'm like there there's a really interesting story that's happening there because there's a lot of time now there's also a Darth Maul rumor about a show exactly and I think all of this lore building that they're laying down right now is compelling people to talk about this one lightsaber that has a lot of personality that's older than any of the other lightsabers that you can start mining in the high republic and the old republic and and things like that you can start really ter- telling a story about it and sell lots and lots of them yep and whatnot and other stuff too right like the sky's the limit but yeah i agree this is poised to become a big part of star wars or at least direction on where we're going to go with it. Yeah, exactly. Any thoughts, Tyler? I'm with you. I think I'm all the way down. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's a perfect segue, Phil. You know what you have to do now. I do indeed. You can track us down on www.itscanonpodcast.com. You can look us up on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at It's Canon Podcast. You can email us at show at itscanonpodcast.com. Boris will check. And you can subscribe via Apple Podcasts. Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, anywhere where you find <laughs> the It's Canon Podcast, you're going to find. Uh, anywhere where you find podcasts, you're going to find the It's Canon Podcast. But if you like what you hear, be sure if the platform allows it to leave a rate and review. Subscribe so you get notifications of when the crazy episodes drop and uh, tell a friend if you enjoyed the show. Yep, thanks for that, Phil. Well, it's another week done here on the It's Candid Podcast, a podcast where we talk about all things geek, all things pop culture, all things nerd, all things everything, because as the title of the name says, title of the show says, it's all in canon. He's Tyler. He's Phil. I'm Boris. Till next time. Later. Later.